This week, we venture into the Forgotten Realms. It's time to pay a visit to Baldur's Gate. Hello everyone, welcome back once again to the Gaming Off the Beaten Path podcast. JD here, and you know, I always find it's kind of interesting to look back on how some of these games or these game series end up on my radar, you know? It, it's kind of true of any media, really. Hell, any thing at all, right? You hear about something through word of mouth, you see it in the store, or you experience it because, you know, when you were a kid or whatever... Someone else was super into it, and you went to your buddy's house, and there it was. Boom. All of a sudden, it's part of your universe. In a weird way, it's kind of a phenomenon that doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, Nine times out of ten, you learn about something new from social media or via a targeted internet marketing blitz, or both. Uh, I grew up in a small town in an era when the internet was still young, and access to it was spotty at best. Uh, we didn't really, even in the early days, a, a, a DSL, you know, we didn't really get that great a connection. We were on dial-up long, long time after a lot of people had switched over. So I learned a lot of stuff about gaming from gaming magazines. I did have a subscription to a handful of video game magazines, uh, you know, Nintendo Power, Game Pro, EGM. But almost all of these were console-based, and even when they did cover PC games, Game Pro, which GamePro did, uh, I usually ignored them. Uh, I had long since canceled my subscription to PC Gamer by the early aughts, so there was a brief period where that was a complete blind spot to me. Again, I talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but there was a, a time where it was just a completely, completely blind spot. You know, and that was just in terms of video games. I had even less visibility into like real old school kind of fair, right? Like I've always been a big RPG person and you know, for a lot of people that are a little older than me, um, a lot of the ways they got into this kind of stuff was through tabletop games or pen and paper games. Um, and I had no idea about any of that stuff. A lot of the reason why, because they were kind of taboo in my house. By the late 90s and early aughts, the satanic panic was really kind of dying out, but its last remnants still had adults in, in town convinced that Dungeons and Dragons would like lead us all to like worship the devil or whatever it was that they thought Dungeons and Dragons was doing at the time, because they that was a big, big target of that whole whole thing. So... I kind of miss this process for discovering, you know, new things or organically, right? It happens from time to time. It doesn't feel like, you know, it does as much, you know, between the never-ending flow of information and just generally being an adult isn't something I get a lot anymore. But that wasn't really the point of this whole opening rant. The, the point of this was to kind of set myself up for having the excuse that, I had never heard of Baldur's Gate when Dark Alliance came onto my radar, uh, released in 2001. Uh, I know it's one of the most iconic PC RPGs, the original Baldur's Gate, which I want to say came out in 1998, but these kind of games weren't really part of my universe at the time. You know, I guess the original was really only three years old when Dark Alliance came out, and, you know, it, it feels older than that, right, with how big a deal it is. So... It wasn't quite the cultural touchstone that it would become, and as such, I had no expectations when I picked up 
Dark Alliance. A, a friend and I were just looking for a solid multiplayer game that also had RPG elements, because, you know, we were big RPG guys. But we kind of wanted something to play multiplayer, and, you know, we had done Gauntlet Legends to death. That was our big one at first, but we kind of, you know, we were looking for something in that vein, and <laughs> here it was. You know, we were totally cool with it having gameplay similar to Gauntlet Legends or even Diablo. Uh, then it does, you know, from the PC RP Baldur's Gate games because, like I said, we had absolutely no expectations from Baldur's Gate. We had no expectations from Forgotten Realms or from Dungeons and Dragons or any of that other stuff that still I, you know, I'm not super into, right? It, I know it's become cool now, right? It was, you know, when, when I was a kid, you'd get... You'd get beat up for playing that at school now all the kids play it it's it's kind of nice to see um you know from all that i've read about the reaction to to dark alliance uh from hardcore fans it's probably for the best that i I didn't have those expectations because i totally understand why someone that was a diehard fan of Baldur's gate would have taken issue with dark alliance they could really do have less to do with each other gameplay-wise. Dark Alliance is way less involved and complex than its predecessor. Uh, but when viewed on its own merits, it's an outstanding game. And while it just misses the mark of like an all-time great, it's one that I like to revisit frequently. You know, it was one of our go-tos, my, my group of friends, for co-op multiplayer back in the day. But even solo, it's a fun adventure. Uh, it may not have much... It, in common mechanically with other titles that bear the Baldur's Gate name, but Dark Alliance is a fun, addictive adventure that's easy to pick up and play while also offering a reasonable challenge. So, Dark Alliance sees you take control, one of three characters. You have a human archer, Vaughn, an elven sorceress, Adriana, or a dwarven warrior, Cromlech, who are on their way, either together or alone, depending on if you're playing solo or multiplayer, to the city of Baldur's Gate. This trip goes south real fast as you are jumped and almost killed by thieves led by a man named Karn who has a super sweet spiky helmet. Uh, your character is bailed out by the Night Watch get there just in time. Um, they they fight off the thieves and they take you to the nearby Elfsong Tavern to recover. Once you've recuperated, you decide to help... You know, The innkeeper did you a favor, so you decide to help her out by clearing the cellar of rats. RPGs, man, it always starts with the rats, and if it's not the rats, it's the bats. Uh, so anyway, while you're down there fighting rats, as you know your level one character does, uh, you kind of discover that th- you see that the thieves that have attacked you are using the cellar and the attached sewers to launch attacks on the citizens of Baldur's Gate. You decide to pursue these thieves in an effort to find out what's motivating them and, you know, maybe also get a little revenge in the process. So, this results in your character stepping into a hornet's nest because these are no ordinary thieves and their motivations run far deeper than relieving travelers of their gold. Throughout the adventure, you're going to discover and attempt to dismantle the inner workings of a complex plot that will determine the fate of not only Baldur's Gate, but the entire Forgotten Realms. Yeah, it's not the most deep or complex plot that, you know, the series would become known for. The PC games are, are kind of known for being really intricate. Um, 
but it's a, you know, these games are not like those. This is just, this is a hack and slash game, and it's a solid backdrop for a good, fun hack and slash game. The enemies you're going to battle, they're all interesting. They got some great design. While your characters are, are serviceable avatars for, for you, the player, uh, you'll meet a variety of NPCs along the way. They don't see too much development, but all of them have surprisingly deep dialogue trees uh, to provide you with background on the universe, which again, for me, that was not familiar at all with the universe, is, is kind of cool. Uh, the locales here are as important as the characters, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I had no interest in the Forgotten Realms before I played this game back in the day, but it does a great job of establishing its primary locations as critical to the story and critical just, you know, to the world in general. You have the Sunset Mountains, the Marsh of Chalimber, and the city... Chalimber? Chalimber? I don't know. This game was voice acted, so I should know, but I it's escaping me. Um, and of course, the city of Baldur's Gate and their surrounding areas, they're all perfect backdrops for this type of game, right? Each, uh, each of these areas has a hub, uh, you know, like a town kind of area. Player's going to be able to rest. You can accept quests. You can buy items. Uh, these can be recalled to with potions at any time, though they're usually pretty easy to get back to on, on foot. Uh, the world's layout and design is very, you know, kind of cyclical, you know, and, and make works, it flows very well. So it's really easy to get back to these places. Uh, controls are tight. Um, this is where I, I bring up, by the way, I played the PlayStation 2 version of this game. Um, so the layout for the buttons is just about perfect, in my opinion, on the PlayStation 2 version. Uh, left stick moves your character. Right stick moves the camera. You can slash, block, use skills or magic with and jump with the face buttons. Uh, well, the sh shoulder buttons are used for healing and magic potions, respectively. D-pad, you can use it to switch skills uh, and swap between your melee weapon and your range weapon. Uh, bows are not just for the archer here. All three characters can equip one. And the path of the arrows is dictated by a helpful little line on the screen. Um, it kind of has that isometric camera. So a lot of times in games like this, it's hard to see where your projectiles are going. But they give you a nice handy-dandy little line here to uh, tell you at least the general direction of where you're going. The HUD's limited, uh, but it tells you all you really need to know. Your health, your magic, and your experience. Um, and it, it'll give you warnings if you're running low on potions or arrows. And you will use be using potions especially a lot. You know, uh, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say here about controls and... When it comes to controls, that's a good thing. Less is more, you know, when you're talking about them. Everything's responsive. The layout makes sense, though. Again, Dark Alliance was also released on the GameCube, and I could see the, you know, GameCube controller, what the heck were they thinking? Um, th that version might be a little bit of a beast to control, even if it, it's still responsive. You know, that controller layout just doesn't seem like it... it, it lends well to this kind of game, but that could just be me. I've never played it. Graphics are really good to great. Uh, the characters are well done for the era, the character models, I should say, and the lighting is particularly well done here. Uh, there's always a great variety of light and dark. There's claustrophobic spaces and open ones. There's colorful and drab. Um, again, you got dark right there in the name, and you know this is a, a title 
that I think a lot of modern games should kind of look back at. I complain a lot about how dark, like physically dark modern games are. And, you know, this does a good job of having that dark and brooding atmosphere while also, you know, being lit in a way that you never feel like you have no idea what you're looking at or where you're supposed to go. Uh, sounds okay. There's a little too much repetition in the music, but the tracks that are there are good, and they always feel like they fit well with the areas where they play. Uh, the voice acting, I will say, that's worth calling out here. It's way better than what most games uh, were offering at the time, and it really helps the story feel like it has more weight. Um, again, it's not a hugely involved story, but having you know actual like organic-sounding dialogue really helps... It, flesh things out and makes it, you know, feel like you're working towards something. So the biggest thing with Dark Alliance is the gameplay loop. Um, anybody that's played Diablo is going to, you know, know exactly what I'm talking about, or even, you know, kind of like a shoot and loot thing like Borderlands. Obviously, we're not like shooting here, but it's just so addictive and it makes the game hard to put down. Anyone that's played anything, like I said, Diablo, even Diablo adjacent, knows exactly what to expect. You mow through hordes of enemies, you take their stuff, you sell that stuff, and you turn in quests. That's it. Simple in theory, but it's both challenging and extremely rewarding. Uh, if you don't use your block button effectively in Dark Alliance, or kind of back off and cut and run, maybe fire some arrows behind you... You're going to get overwhelmed real quickly. Enemies hit very hard here and very frequently. That's a good thing. A lot of times, games like this just boil down to you smash the attack button and you can't do that here. But it also still feels good when you are you can still run into hordes of enemies and just slash at them, slash and block, slash and block, use your spells. It's still just fun to do. It's also super rewarding, and, you know, anybody, that, like I said, that's played games like this, to just keep finding new gear, slowly but surely improving your loadout while also building up your goal to buy better stuff from, you know, the, maybe the lesser things that you sell. There are so many different item variations, and, like, it feels like you never see the same item twice. And this has a pretty tight loot pool, like, way tighter uh, than most Baldur's Gate games. Um, it takes just enough time to level up that it feels like an accomplishment when you do it, but not so much that it feels futile, right? Like some games, RPGs, or otherwise, you know, it just takes forever to gain the experience to level up, and, you know, you feel like you're wasting your time almost. Uh, that's not the case here. All the characters learn a variety of special moves, either through spells, physical attacks, whatever. They're almost all universally fun to use. I especially like the Sorceress's Ball Lightning attack. Uh, just tears up enemies. Um, at the end of the day, it's a tried-and-true formula done precisely, you know, which is a recipe for success. It helps that the dungeon design's excellent, they all flow real well, they flow very naturally, they make sense, they allow for a variety of ways to take on enemies, even when you do find a dead end, you usually get some treasure there, um, and of course, you know, you're still trying to get that experience and get enemies to drop stuff, so you don't really mind it as much. Uh, again, multiplayer, huge plus, 
Not a perfect implementation of multiplayer, but it gets the job done. Would have been nice to have more than two players, you know. Uh, again, with the PS2, you would have required a multi-tap, but it would have been nice. Four was pretty standard at this point in time, even for a PlayStation 2. That's a bit of a nitpick, though. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to have, but it, 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 it still kind of stings it wasn't there. Of course, Dark Alliance, not perfect. For one, it kind of assumes that the player has something of an understanding of the D&D, Forgotten Realms, Baldur's Gate universe. Um, that wouldn't be as much of an issue if it was a like, direct sequel to the PC games, but it's a spin-off on a totally different platform. I don't care so much about the plot. That's not really central here anyway. And again, the plot in an RPG is way more critical to the overall package than the plot in a hack and slash game. So that's not really my issue here. But from a gameplay standpoint, it does make it a little tough for non-fans to understand what some of the enchanted items do. Um, if you don't know what the suffix... Eh, talking if you don't know what the suffixes on these enchanted weapons mean it's hard to determine what their actual effect is for some of them you know for those that don't know i'm sure most people you know do by now you know the D, &D has like it, when you pick up an item it can be of something you know like the one i had a mace of distortion right and once you play these games enough if you or if you had played the pen and paper games or if you had played the PC games, you you start to learn what these things mean when you see them. But that wasn't the case for me, and I'm sure it wasn't for a lot of people that, that picked this up. Uh, that would be mitigated pretty much completely if you could bring up a detail page on each item, but it isn't really possible. I guess the biggest issue, though, is that as addictive as the gameplay loop is, it is kind of overly tight here. Uh, there really isn't much in the way of side quests, and the ones you can take usually just end up getting completed on their own, like, in the course of the main story. Like, there will be, you, you'll have to make a left and go down one little, little section instead of make a right to go to the exit of a dungeon, and then you'll find whatever hidden item it is you need. And, and that's kind of, kind of a d bit disappointing. Would have been nice to see like an optional dungeon or some side content that you could unlock before beating the game. There is some side content you can unlock after you beat the game. But it would have been nice to see like a bonus bonus dungeon or optional boss. Something to that effect. Also, not really anything new here, even as far as 2001 went. Uh, I don't mind, but I could see it coming off as a bit flat if you play a lot of these kinds of games, which I didn't, you know, especially on console, you know, on PC you had Diablo and all the, it's adjacent kind of clones, you didn't really have a lot of that on console, again, I know there are, are Diablo ports on various consoles, I've heard most of them are not good, I don't know how true that is, um, you know, like I, I know I referenced Gauntlet Legends, and that had a sequel as well, but you know, it, that wasn't a big deal to me, but it, it, again, if you were like a veteran of these games, I could have seen you picking up Dark Alliance and being like, hmm, you know, good, but more of the same. There's nothing really wrong with it, and it's one of my favorite games to play through every so often, but it Dark Alliance doesn't really break new ground. Uh, like I said, even as far as its era, right? Still, though, 
it's a great game that's worth playing, even if you aren't a fan of its lore or its universe or Dungeons and Dragons or any of that stuff. You don't really need to know all the finer points of D&D or, or whatever to get the most out of a hack and slash game where you fight through hordes of monsters. Um, you know, I'm sure if you're a fan, that's a nice little added bonus that, you know, you've got familiar faces, familiar enemies, familiar locations, but you don't really need that stuff to get enjoyment out of Dark Alliance. It's easy to learn. You can pick up the controller and you know exactly what you're doing right away. But it's also pretty tough to master. Some of these enemies have have challenging attack patterns. You got to make sure your blocks are timed. You got to manage your health. You got to manage your magic. You got a lot of stuff to manage here. It looks great. It sounds great. It's well designed and it has precise controls. What more could you want? I do wish the experience were a little deeper, even for a hack and slash game. There's a little, you know, it kind of has a little bit of feeling of shallowness to it, um, which isn't always the worst thing in the world. But, you know, I, I think they could have done a little bit more here. But also kind of appreciate it for exact being exactly what it is. A well-designed, action-packed, RPG-adjacent title for nerds to run through with their buddies for 10 to 15 hours. If, you know, if you are in that very small niche w with me and my friends, uh, then you're really going to like this game. Even today, it's it's one that, that's worth picking up and playing. But even people who don't normally like this kind of stuff will probably be able to find something positive here. May not be the best game ever made, but Dark Alliance is a really good, solid video game, and it's kind of a personal favorite of mine. Um... This comes in right at about a 9 out of 10. Uh, I think that's about fair, uh, given all, you know, the lack of breaking new ground and stuff, but also given just how fun and addictive it is. Uh, you know, my playthrough flew by uh, at this time. Uh, you know, part of that was I've played it enough that I kind of know exactly what I'm doing, but, you know, it flew by. And that's usually a good sign. And this is a good sign to end the episode for this week. Uh, thank you again for stopping by. Uh, I hope to see you back next week, and until then, happy gaming.